Hello and welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is May 20th, 2017. This is the 26th episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that is found in a typical gaming podcast. You can find our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com call. It's another week, uh, kind of a longer one than most, it feels like, mostly because of the political news in the United States. Uh, it's, it's just like checking the news in the morning and in the evening, and it's it's been crazy on that front. Not as much on the gaming front, but there are some things I'd like to talk about today in particular. Uh, first, I'd like to kind of cover, I guess, you know, the games I've been playing recently. Uh, so that's near Automata. I'm eight and a half hours in now. I wasn't able to put too much time into games this week, but still can talk about them, of course. Uh, near Automata, kind of uh, on the main quest with this uh, We Will Become As Gods section uh, of the game, which was a little bit tedious, interesting boss battle, but uh, kind of there at that point. Um, loving the soundtrack. Great soundtrack to that game. The Machine Village song in particular, you can just kind of zen out and just be very peaceful. I also got around to playing Batman Arkham VR, and I'll talk about that a bit more at the end of the show, kind of in the in the last segment. Uh, not in spoiler details or anything like that, but just getting back into VR and where I hope virtual reality goes. But that was a really great experience. I do recommend that to anyone if you get the chance to play Batman Arkham VR. Um, as far as other housekeeping goes, our E3 Yes or No contest, do check that out. Um, you know We're coming up on the last day here on recording to submit your contest entry for five bonus bonus points, but if you're listening now throughout this coming week, three bonus points are still up for grabs, so do check out rhymeswithasia.com slash e3contest, and you can uh, check out our yes or no contest. Very simple to join if you're interested in participating, and then uh, the winner of that contest gets to join me on our post-E3 show to talk about all things regarding that. That's coming up rather quickly. A couple weeks from today, we'll be taking calls and uh, making predictions, and that should be a lot of fun, but before we get to your calls and why this show is is a lot of fun with you know just getting perspectives from different people about you know the gaming news from this week and other things gaming related i'd like to get into the main topic of the two big game reveals this week and not really game reveals i suppose but game presentations uh it's not often that you get two events such as this but we had the nintendo direct featuring arms on wednesday that was at a, a 6 p.m. Eastern time, so it was kind of in the evening. And then during the day on Thursday, the next day, was the Destiny gameplay reveal. And I suppose I wasn't expecting, you know, I was expecting kind of a live stream, just more of like a trailer or something like that, but I wasn't expecting a full event. So I found these two events to be very similar in some ways, but also very different in others. And I kind of wanted to compare and contrast the two uh, as we kind of open the show here, just as I kind of, uh, kind of go on what is on my mind for the gaming news this week in particular. Uh, so let's start with the format of these two events. Now, of course, the Nintendo Direct, uh, very, you know, it's pre-recorded, very Nintendo styled. Uh, it was live in the sense that they're playing back a video that was prepared ahead of time. And you have, you know, viewers on Twitch or YouTube, where have you, wherever you watched it, kind of reacting that way. Whereas Destiny was just a, a big stage presence. I, I wasn't expecting a full, you know, it's just a lot of money put into it from Activision. Uh, just, you know, people brought on stage showing trailers in a big theater. 
it, it was almost very similar to an E3-like presentation there for, for one game. And uh, I was kind of surprised by that. So very different ways of presenting information on games that we knew existed. We had heard a bit about some. I mean, Destiny 2 had a trailer beforehand. ARMS, we've seen a trailer. We've seen some gameplay. We've seen a bit more from ARMS than Destiny 2, granted. But, you know, each had more to show. Uh, so they... Both had these presentations, these events, uh, and the audience is very different for each in particular. For the Nintendo Direct, it's definitely targeted at Nintendo fans, particularly those who own a Switch or are interested in getting a Switch, trying to sell people more on ARMS as a game. Uh, now, again, a lot of information out there, but trying to kind of sell it just that little bit more to try to really get that sale. Whereas Destiny 2... I had a lot of members from the media who were not only out there for E3 Judges Week, kind of a lot of people from the games industry seeing many of the E3 games ahead of time, but you also had a lot of Destiny fans uh, who were very familiar with Destiny already as an established brand, as an established game. And you're really just, you know, feeding them more information that they know your product generally already and they want to know the refinements of it as opposed to Nintendo trying to sell a whole new experience entirely. So you have this kind of this niche of Nintendo gamers versus the massive general gaming media. And that's kind of where the reach also comes into play uh, between these two events. The reach is, again, you know, the people who generally consume Nintendo Directs which is rather small compared to the media who are going to then write articles, produce YouTube videos. Now, granted, Nintendo fans do that as well. But considering the scale of the media that are present and the, the viewers, the number of clicks that they get, uh, it's, it's much wider also because ARMS you know, doesn't mean as much to Nintendo as Destiny 2 means to Activision. Now, Activision has two big releases this year. It's Destiny 2 and it's Call of Duty World War II. And usually they'd have some more. I mean, usually Skylanders would be thrown in there, but it's these two big heavy hitters. Whereas for Nintendo, ARMS is all part of the Switch strategy. So yeah, ARMS may fail. It may do well. It's, it's actually trending like it may do pretty well, depending on how uh, people responded to this direct. But Destiny means so much, and so the reach is considerable when you compare the two games uh, in Destiny 2's favor. The duration of the two events, I think, also has to be considered because Nintendo was you know, very sharp and consistent and kept things moving, and as a result, it was a 25-minute event, and that's even when you consider there were a few minutes thrown in there to have a trailer for Splatoon 2, which the single-player uh, looking on point. Uh, very exciting for that. A lot of people had lots of great things to say about that. Um, now, ARMS was, yeah, it was very specific, whereas Destiny 2, it was kind of bogged down a bit with the pacing because sometimes like an E3 event, you have people coming up on stage and talking about, here's what we've changed and there's this, and then let's throw to a documentary or let's throw to a gameplay trailer sort of thing. An hour and 15 minutes all focused on one game. Now, if you love Destiny and Destiny 2 and you were eager for that information, I mean, you were lapping it up, certainly. But the pacing uh, was certainly in Nintendo's favor with ARMS there. Also, the content shown overall. I mean, ARMS, you're kind of finalizing almost in a way the sales pitch. Anyway, so 
you had three new characters was was the big deal there. You had uh, you had Kid Cobra, you had Twintel, who the internet took to that character certainly, and then you had also Bite and Bark, kind of acting as a a duo kind of tandem team there. Also, different modes you were talking about. I mean, two v two some volleyball versions of basketball to dunk your opponents through a hoop. I mean, that was, that was interesting, but it was kind of crafting out that pitch. And by that time, I mean, to reveal those 10 characters overall and detail their different arms. And here's some interesting strategies uh, to set up that final roster of 10 characters. Now, good to also, good for Nintendo also to uh, make that final pitch of, you know, there'll be free updates, uh, patches, characters, stages, Probably maybe modes, I don't know. But free updates throughout the life of the game. It's good to reassure. But the biggest thing, of course, the global test punch. Uh, the the demo coming, almost like what they had for Splatoon 2, kind of at the launch of Switch. But kind of get people into it. That's going to be really big. I mean, people know generally how to play Splatoon. They don't know how to play ARMS. So for not this weekend, but the weekend after that and the subsequent weekend uh, to have those two weekends be global test punches i mean not only to stress test the server but to get people like knowing how to play the game is the motion control really going to be worth it how does it feel with the pro controller i think that's the biggest news that sold a lot of people and saying all right i'm i may not be ready to totally put down 60 dollars yet i mean there may maybe some people but i'm down for a free demo i'm, I'm totally going to check that out like that, that'll be really interesting Destiny 2, on the other hand, uh, I think it, it was, again, it's more of a refinement of what people already knew about Destiny. Some people critiquing, oh, it's, you know, it's 1.5. You're, you're adding maybe a, another weapon slot. You're, the biggest news, I think, coming out of that is more industry shaking is that because of the Activision Blizzard sort of juggernaut that is that company, uh, to launch that game through Battle.net, as some people still refer to it, but, you know, the Blizzard uh, launcher app uh, that is huge especially you saying it's not going to be steam it's not going to be uh origin of course because it's not, definitely not going to be origin but you know bringing that game to pc pc version may not hit that september 8th it hasn't been confirmed yet uh looks like they're actually getting effort towards a pc version not just a a, a weak port but for the pc version when it comes to launch through Blizzard's launcher, that is substantial. That is, you know, industry-defining news. Other than that, it's just a lot of gameplay refinements. I think the other biggest gameplay sort of related announcement for Destiny 2 was saying that with this guided games mode, uh, people who more like to play by themselves can still get into these big raids, these big events. I mean, you can join a group who you know strangers if you don't necessarily have a group of friends to play with i think that's a big thing that you know maybe a lot of destiny players uh were kind of absent on missing from the first first game uh so there's there's a lot to talk about i mean there's you know, format audience reach duration the content shown but it comes down to the effectiveness and uh really i think you know destiny 2 people didn't really need to be sold on Destiny 2. If you played Destiny, you were going to play Destiny 2. Maybe if you're interested in the PC version and like that's your big holdup, Destiny 2 may still appeal to you. Uh, but I think a lot of that was really just preaching to the choir. Uh, as far as the effectiveness of a live game presentation, I think Nintendo's been hitting it out of the park, to be honest, with these Nintendo Directs that are specific, game-focused, just before launch. And I think that's another key thing, too. The ARMS Direct was very effective because we're only a few weeks out from that game launching. Destiny 2, we still have to wait you know, another three, four months. It's still quite a ways out. Um, 
really, it kind of all goes back to E3 in a way. Uh, E3 2017 coming up in a few weeks. And it's kind of almost kind of a preview of the two styles of presentation. Odd, again, that a single game kind of dominated the uh, the Activision stage there. And, you know, not, at, not that Activision would have a press conference or anything like that. But that's kind of the style you should expect for an E3 press conference when it comes to Microsoft, Sony. I mean, Ubisoft finally got their press conference confirmed. That was great to see. Uh, but this Nintendo Direct for Nintendo, uh, you know, we'll see obviously more games featured, not going as in-depth. That'll be more for the the live broadcast after for Nintendo. But it's almost kind of in a way a preview of the two styles, but for lots of games. And that's kind of exciting to see. I mean, both were effective in certain ways, but they, they spoke to their audience as well. But yeah, when, you, when you're talking about focusing on a specific game and kind of giving this live event, it may be more effective when a game is close to launch. And in this case, that would be effective for ARMS. Personally, I'm not someone who's about to rush out the door and buy either ARMS or Destiny 2. So I found it interesting to kind of look at both events and kind of compare and contrast here. But I'm really interested in what you have to say. So when we come back, we'll get to the callers. What do you think? I would love to hear your thoughts, but you can also bring up whatever gaming topic that you'd like to discuss. And don't forget, you can also reply to another caller has to say as well. That's all when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Yeah, interesting week for sure. Uh, you know, kind of setting up those pre-E3 events. I wonder what else will uh, be in store for pre-E3. We still have, you know, companies kind of trickling out these uh, investor calls. I mean, Ubisoft certainly had one. That was interesting to see the news that came out of that. But yeah, to have this week kind of be defined by those two live events, I really wanted to kind of mull that over and think about that. But let's hear what the callers have to say. That's what kind of makes this show, after all. Joining us from Illinois, Video Game Guru 64 welcome back to the Power Switch. Hi, nice to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for calling in. What did you have in mind to talk about? I uh, was going to talk about uh, the Direct, uh, the Nintendo Direct that happened, and I had no idea that uh, Destiny had a uh, presentation uh, this week. So, yeah, I almost just, expected coming into it that it was just going to be you know, they'll they'll just show a trailer. We'll, we'll kind of maybe get an extended look at gameplay, but yeah, they they made it in like a big E three sort of style, and I know it's maybe Activision has some money to throw around, but it, that was certainly surprising to see. Yeah, and uh, surprising enough that the director or producer, some somebody at Activision, said that they're not playing for a Switch port. So that's definitely concerning. You know, it's Nintendo owners. Yeah, I, I get how it could be concerning, but at the same time, I don't think you know Switch fans should have been banking on that. Uh, you know, not only I mean, Destiny Two looks gorgeous. Don't get me wrong, uh, but this is this is where we're talking about when these high level AAA sort of games. I mean, Destiny Two is they didn't talk about anything for for Scorpio. They say we got to wait until Microsoft announces to talk about what kind of advancements that will get. But they're even talking before the event of saying, oh, we're kind of set up for the next PS4 whenever that will be. So they're kind of playing the long game here. And, you know, that's that's not where Switch excels. Uh, you know, Switch is going to be prominently based on these first-party games from Nintendo. 
and you know the indies we've seen you know great success from the indies it's it's the whole you know vita successor strategy in a way i mean in this for the same reason that we are not going to see uh, a mass effect andromeda or anything like that or the next assassin's creed on uh on switch i don't think it's troubling per se i that in my opinion that we're not seeing a switch port for destiny 2 but uh there can be other ways that switch succeeds yeah so real quick uh the arms direct i think was uh pretty good it probably sold me more on arms and what they've done and uh to have uh, those uh several control schemes that's great because i only have one usable arm so <laughs> i'm extremely happy that i have the pro controller yeah, that, that's that's great for Nintendo to have those options. I, I think if they were relying too much on motion control, just with with, with the jabbing there, uh, I think that would have doomed the game. Uh, and honestly, like I'll try it for the test event. But when you're talking about if this game will have legs, legs. so to speak, um, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to have professional players with the motion control. It's going to depend on the button sensitivity and you know the, the frame timing there. So yeah, I'm, I think I'll ultimately, you'll be playing more pro controller as well myself. Um, and I think, you know, if, if you're just talking about a gimmick just to, you know, bring it around, play with friends, I think that may be where, you know, the motion control uh, succeeds, even when they're talking about uh, you know, 20 player lobbies or something like that. And you're talking about 10 switches and you break it up with the two joy cons. If and again, like the game can be played with just a single joy con as, as small as it is, but you know, with the buttons there, uh, it is good to see the control flexibility and yeah, for, for different situations. Yeah. So uh, the other thing is uh, Splatoon two uh, single player has me really interested in uh, what Marie's been up to. And, well, first of all, have you read the ch- uh, chapters leading up to uh, Splatoon 2's eventual uh, release or not? To be honest, I have not. Uh, and this is yeah, coming so- from someone who, like, I, I'm hoping that Splatoon comes next from the rental queue because I do want to play through that single player, I, like I have not personally played Splatoon yet. Honestly, it's a oh, it's a it's a wow. hole in my uh, my Wii U library. Uh, but you yeah, know, seeing Callie and Marie and like, being familiar with those two and uh, kind of seeing how they're setting up a possible antagonist uh, for for Splatoon two, like that seems interesting. But it doesn't have much personal resonance to me personally yet. Well, uh, the last Splatfest was uh, Callie versus Marie. And I think from that last Splatfest, they carried over uh, the story. So if uh, Callie won, she would be the main uh, oh, uh, helping you. But if it, it was Marie that, uh, that won, so that's who's helping you now. I would have never considered that. That's really smart. And I, and I bet you you're right. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, both characters very popular i'm sure and they're they're saying the squid sisters and they're in a idol like group um yeah and, and i'm sure the team was split like how can you make that choice and possibly alienate your fans but yeah have it come down to a, a publicly gathered vote uh, that's really interesting i had never thought of that yeah and um really quick i'm going to a pokemon card game tournament <laughs> right now 
So, uh, <laughs> well, well, best of luck. Thank, uh, thank you for calling in. Really appreciate the time. I uh, hope you get some victories under your belt there. So that that should be awesome. Anything you like to plug? We can find you on Twitter at VideoGameGuru64 and other places across the internet. What would you like to plug, though? Uh, probably call uh, in next week. Oh, uh, and I hope to be done with the E3 predictions. I I haven't gotten the chance to uh, look through them yet, so... <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, if you fill out next week, you get the three bonus points. That's still fine. It is the strategy of do you want to you know, submit early and get those bonus points or wait to the end when possibly more information is revealed. So totally up to you. I mean, you have until June 2nd, so no rush there. So All right, well, see you later. Thank you for calling in. Good luck at the tournament. Yep. And joining us from New Jersey, Matt, welcome back to the Power Switch. Hello. Hello, hello. What was on your mind? What would you like to talk about this week? I was uh, hoping to talk about the Destiny 2 reveal. Certainly, yeah. I'm actually very impressed that they managed to immediately address a lot of the things that I didn't like about the original Destiny. The biggest one being they're calling it the guided games now, the way that they found a compromise between not wanting to do random matchmaking for raids, but still being difficult to organize with uh, people. Uh, Destiny, the original, was definitely trying to be an MMO without really understanding what made MMOs work. <laughs> and the biggest problem with it was the fact that there was no in-game means of communicating with other players besides a voice chat that no one really used. You that you couldn't make friends in the game. You had to go to outside means like uh, like message boards, Reddit, all that stuff, but to make to make friends and have people to play with. And they immediately addressed that in this Destiny 2 reveal. And I think that that's a lot more interesting now because that was the the core failing of Destiny for me. That was the very reason that the game didn't work. So I think now they might... There were still a couple other problems that I hope they end up addressing, but the big one that was like a fundamental flaw with the concept seems to be fixed now. Do you think that... And I saw news outlets kind of saying that the connection is still going to be P2P, uh, peer-to-peer, as opposed so to dedicated servers. Yeah, like, is, is that a big deal to you? P2P is really, really bad in uh, in games like this um, because it makes cheating a lot easier because when everything is validated from client to client instead of client to server, what that does is it opens the door to fudge that connection. And in an MMO, that's the worst thing you could possibly have. And I think in any game nowadays, it's really bad to have it. Nintendo still has like solely P2P games and I it's infuriating but in a game like an mmo where you're you're gathering loot and you need to you know build your character and invest a lot of time in it cheating's going to be a problem hopefully they have some means of cutting it down with the blizzard app because blizzard has the best anti-cheat system in the business pretty much but there's also lag is a big problem when you have a a shooter that requires precise aiming that's going to be a, a huge negative thing in the game if it's if it's entirely p2p uh connections because a bad connection can literally mean the difference between success and failure in a shooter right right and I, yeah i did hear the same thing as well that you know blizzard has the best anti-cheat sort of system there so at least that's a good thing in in like other mmos it's going to take kind of the time out in the field and actually after release to kind of see 
where that all plays out. Uh, but it was good to hear that, you know, the, the announcements kind of delivered on a lot of things that people were looking for. And I think that was an interesting aspect of what uh, this presentation also did compared to other uh, possible, you know, live game presentations. Uh, because many in the crowd were Destiny fans already, you were getting all these, you know, applause breaks and cheering breaks for what were seemingly, you know, kind of minor things for those that yeah, was, were not Destiny fans. You're looking at it and it's like, okay, I mean, this is probably big for players, but if I'm going to this new, like, why is this a big deal? I was watching it at work, wondering who on earth took off work to be there. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, many of the, the E3 judges week, uh, kind of people that are there, it's kind of all in the same location, but yeah, for, for fans, I mean, I guess if that's, that's a big deal, I mean, and you get the invite go. Yeah. They also, they seem to promote the fact that, uh, the PVP mode was now exclusively four V four. I don't know if that's a good thing because 6v6 and 8v8 was pretty cool, but I guess people wanted less players in a game. Another huge problem I had with Destiny was the, was the story um, or the lack thereof. And I'm, I'm really happy to see that they're focusing on expanding that and making the single-player story experience more meaningful, although I'm very worried that I can't tell what tone they want it to have. Because they had that original trailer that they showed with, uh, it was obviously supposed to be a humorous trailer with the one guy, you know, rallying the troops with these inspiring messages and the other guy being like, yeah, you want loot? I want loot too. Let's go do this. And hopefully Nathan was, Fillion is in the game playing that guy. Yes. I believe that uh, that character is in the game uh, because they showed the opening mission of the game and he was in that cutscene. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he's going to be one of the the major uh, advisor characters, but it was really jarring for that was for that to be the very first thing we see of the game because I'm not sure if the tone is supposed to be serious or comedy because it was a comedy trailer, and then the 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 guy gets up on stage and starts describing a serious story while cracking jokes every couple seconds. Hmm. So. I'm still not really confident that they have a solid storytelling idea down. Um, but I guess ultimately, as long as the MMO side of it is entertaining enough, that's not going to matter so much. But it would still be disappointing to see the story still kind of end up as a mess. I almost wonder if the humor is used to kind of just, you know, break the the news lightly. That you know, the big thing with Destiny Two being for those unaware is that you know all the loot and progress from Destiny One, like it's gone. You got to start over from scratch. It's what they mention in that trailer that you mentioned. Um, is that a big thing to you? Is it like a, a necessary evil in a way? Like a, you know, I, I guess it depends on how much time you put into the original destiny. Um, I, I stopped playing destiny around the time that the first raid showed up because I had no one to play it with. Mm-mm. So I don't really have a terribly decked out character, although it does kind of reinforce the idea that, they're not treating this like an MMO. They're treating it like any other game where we're starting from scratch now. And I haven't looked too far into what the destiny fan base is saying about that. But if I had continually put all this time in, I would feel pretty, pretty frustrated with that. Yeah. I feel like the correct way to do it would have been to have everyone start at that higher level and then build up from there. Uh, which is something that games don't really do very often. Um, and it does kind of invite power creep in a scary way. But I think back to um, 
the one game that I always remember that did this perfectly right was Banjo-Tooie when it came out. When you start it, you have every power-up from the end of the previous game, and it doesn't take away any of them. Instead, the game gives you brand new ones for the, for the entirety of, of the sequel. Obviously, it's not one-to-one from like Banjo-Kazooie's system working in a, a loot game like Destiny, but I think that it's, some, it's something more along those lines that they should have handled rather than just scaling it all back and resetting it to zero because then it feels like, you know, obviously the, the fun times that they had in Destiny 1, that all matters, but it feels like the progression ends up just kind of being cut off. Yeah, you can bring over your same character, but without all of their powers and all of their loot, it might as well be a new character. And that's what I kind of feel is a little more worrying, even though it doesn't affect me personally at all, because, you know, I, I, I never progressed my character that far. But I think that that's overall a negative. Yeah, I, it sounds like that would have been a better way to handle things. I think it's a, a good thing to, you know, one, finally get that PC audience in there. Uh, you know, good to see that confirmed early, you know, from th- those original trailers. Uh but also to kind of future-proof it a bit. And hopefully they've kind of put some thought to that so they don't have to do this kind of huge reset again. I, yeah, give it a kind of soft reboot in a way, even though the game well, came out in 2014 or something like that. But uh, kind of give it this reboot to kind of bring in a larger base of players and then keep that and kind of go with that design in mind. So that hopefully they kind of move forward with that. Uh, still, yeah, it's, I, it's not a game that still catches my interest, but I'm, I'm still interested to see what people end up saying about it and uh, kind of how that community kind of grows around that game. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a little worried about the, the Battle.net thing, which it's weird that in the press release they called it Battle.net, even though they renamed <laughs> right, Battle.net right. to Blizzard app yep. a couple months ago, and no one's calling it Blizzard app. Everyone's calling it Battle.net. Yeah. So maybe this is them sort of admitting that uh, that was a bad idea. But I'm a little worried that Battle.net's going to become another cluttered storefront for digital video game sales, which I guess theoretically is a good thing because, you know, Steam needs competitors to force Steam to get better uh, and Origin's not picking up that slack. But ultimately, like, when I when I open up the Blizzard app to play, like, Overwatch or Heroes of the Storm... The only thing that's there is Blizzard games. It's nice, it's sleek, and it's it, it does what it needs to do. If I need to click through like a bunch of crap trying to sell Call of Duty to me, then I'm gonna be real disappointed because I don't I don't want the Blizzard app to become another storefront. I want it to be the Blizzard app where I just open it up, play my Blizzard game, and not have to worry about everything else. It is a really nice interface. Uh, you know, when I tried Overwatch on on PC during that uh, free demo time, I got some experience with it and it's it's a nice interface for sure uh yeah hopefully it doesn't become too cluttered and it seems the way activision is going like they don't have too many properties to necessarily bog it down um mm-hmm. but it may be like a similar comparison would be you play i mean ubisoft only has so many games on pc uh but then they have fundamentally broken yeah with all those uh the drm and all that that's that's a whole other uh, thing that um, I, I tried to play rainbow six siege with a friend that it wouldn't recognize that we registered each other as friends and to this day we haven't played rainbow six siege together oh my gosh see i've only used it i, I played watchdogs 2 Ooh. on pc and it was fine just to to launch that game and, and do that fine whatever but uh yeah that, that's my only real experience with with you play uh we had talked offline a couple days ago about with the rumors kind of going around before the event of saying that it would go through Battle.net, like what would happen if there were possibly Activision characters sneaking into Blizzard games? I mean, all part of the same company. I mean, hopefully it doesn't 
you know, hopefully it doesn't happen. Let's just just say that for one. But uh, what would your reaction be if, say, like you get some <laughs> Call of Duty infusion into something like Heroes of the Storm or Overwatch? Well, I actually, I'd be surprised if we don't see a Destiny event in Overwatch mm. because overall, like the higher concept of Destiny and Overwatch as sci-fi fantasy shooters, kind of fits together a little too well. So I, I I would be surprised if we don't see any crossover there. Heroes of the Storm, I looked at Activision's catalog of games, and they don't really have any characters worth adding to Heroes of the Storm. Because that's, like, that's the thing about Blizzard's catalog of all the Overwatch characters, all the characters that have ever been in Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo. They're all very distinct, memorable characters. And the ones that are sort of generic characters, like the Medic from Starcraft or like the, the player classes from Diablo, they're characters that have a, a long and storied history with the people that are familiar with the other characters. So I, I feel like they can't really get away with adding Call of Duty Soldier to Heroes of the Storm without it being wildly out of place. I mean, that's pretty much all they can do. They can't, they can't really do much with StarCraft or WarCraft right? Uh, because Overwatch is the game that has all the events and Heroes of the Storm is the, one, is the game that has all the characters. Mm, that's a good point. I, I think if anything, you mentioned yeah, Destiny and Overwatch and how on, on the high level they're, they're similar there. Um, yeah, Destiny going into Overwatch, that may be a bit of a stretch because you know, Overwatch is so character-driven. But yeah, no, I'm mentioning it. I, I could totally see the possibility of Overwatch skins or accessories or whatever going into Destiny super easily. Uh, that yeah, that seems I, like that would play super well. I think that's almost a given. Yeah. And maybe we'll see like Horde and Alliance banners or something. Yeah, yeah. That's that's entirely possible as well. Oh, One man. of my friends was actually saying that like since since it's on Battle.net and he'll be able to use his, his Battle.net uh, wallet, he's actually going to be able to buy Destiny 2 with World of Warcraft gold. Oh, man. That's, that's funny. Like, I never would have considered that. World of Warcraft does have a system in place now where you can ex- exchange gold for real money in your Blizzard wallet. I think that really just shows the power of, you know, kind of these companies getting bigger and bigger, at least the, the big publishers and what a dedicated storefront can do for something like that. That's that's really interesting. So mm-hmm. I, it's going to be interesting to see how Destiny 2 kind of goes uh, playing forward. I mean, real quick, I mean, did you, you know, seeing the, the ARMS direct, I mean, thoughts on that? I mean, it's huge to have the global test bunch. Arms is ten out of ten. Uh, I'm all in on that game. Oh wow! And all right. I think that it's, I think that it's great with Nintendo's recent IPs. They are so confident in it that they say, as you know, if we can just get this game in people's hands and have them play it, they'll be convinced. That's ultimately what has sold me on a lot of games recently. I mean, to bring it back to to Blizzard, that's what got me sold on Overwatch because I wasn't interested in Overwatch until I played the the open beta and then I was all in. Splatoon I was always interested in, but once I played the global test fire, I was like, yes, I am 100% going to buy this game. And I already feel kind of all in on arms, but like once I once I play the global test punch, which such a stupid name and I love it. Everything <laughs> about arms is everything about arms is stupid in exactly the perfect way. Like the like Ninjaro who is competing in the in the arms competition as part of his senior project at Ninja College. Or the kid Cobra is like he's a streamer and he does all this. Yeah. The the characters that they're building for arms are so perfect that I, I think that game looks amazing. And I don't understand why everyone hates uh, the announcer, Biff. Like everyone hates him and I'm like, I do not fundamentally understand why. 
he's a, he's a bit silly, but I, I think yeah, it's it's taking it with the right amount of levity. It's not taking it too seriously, and I, I think that that's kind of what it needs. Um, yeah, I, I I'll have to see for the the test punch and how it plays uh, to see if I'm totally on board. But uh, no, it's it sounds like they're confident. And then we'll see uh, at E three with these tournaments. Uh, I think you know Splatoon two also has a tournament, but Arms having one as well. Uh, that should be exciting just you know more content in e3 that should be that should be great mm-hmm. well i'll let you get going thank you so much for calling in I, you mentioned before you're under the weather so i really appreciate you taking the time to to call in and and all this uh anything you'd like to plug we can find you on twitter at grimace duminis mm-hmm. nothing, nothing really that i know of that's going on nothing news popped up that i'm aware of so i think we're just going to call it a day that sounds good well matt thank you so much for calling in get some good rest and uh take it easy I'll do my best. Thank you. All right, right, guys. Thanks so much for calling in. When we come back, I'll talk some more about virtual reality. It had been some time since I had last used virtual reality and getting back into it uh, kind of, you know, put a new perspective on things and uh, some options that could be done in the future. Like, where do I think virtual reality should go and could be going? So that'll be when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. This week's tempo control music is brought to you by Ultra Street Fighter 4. You can find a new video game music top 10 list from a specific game soundtrack every Tuesday over at youtube.com slash rhymes with Asia. There is a new segment just called A Thought On. And I kind of have a topic that I don't even have this outlined. I just, <laughs> just write down a topic here and so just thoughts on virtual reality uh kind of spurred by the fact that i got around to playing batman arkham vr today Uh, and it was and my brother has an htc vive it's been months since i used it Uh, and to kind of get back into playing an actual game designed for vr as opposed to just this oh it's a little mini game collection or just a a fun quick five minute experience to to sit down or stand up rather because it's a game that's kind of more best played standing up even though you know playstation vr has uh you know same sort of game as well but it came over to pc and uh to to stand up just for i think it's about 45 minutes to an hour pretty short campaign you can go back through it with some extra collectibles and little extra little puzzles there later on for a second playthrough but for that first playthrough to kind of go through that and it's like a designed game now granted resident evil 7 uh would be one that i'd also like to try on on vr sometime have not played resident evil 7 on just you know a controller and all that so i think that's a different perspective when it's a full game that can be played in vr but to go from my previous experiences with virtual reality of just side little mini game sort of things here and there, oh, fun little experiences to a seriously designed game with a plot and all that, uh, you know, kind of gave some perspective here on things. So I think the biggest thing overall for me with that is kind of different feelings that are generated while playing that you wouldn't really get in just a, a controller, you know, sit down sort of a gameplay session. Uh, at the end of Batman Arkham VR in particular, uh, you're, oh my gosh, I don't want to spoil this, but let's see how I can I can kind of word around it. Um, the game really takes advantage of where you're looking to set things up 
out of your view and using audio in particular with that. I mean, the sense of 3D audio is very effective in VR as well because you know, you're either wearing earbuds, you're wearing headphones, and that's not necessarily something that you have in a speaker system on a TV or in a home theater setup. Um, but yeah, it really takes advantage of the 3D space to where you're looking at one place and then it's the game is setting something up behind you and like you kind of feel that almost like almost creeping on your back in a way. So like then you're moving around in that 3D space to look at what's there. Uh, that was really effective at the end of this game and it's something that would just not have been possible by, you know, just say, oh, move the camera to, to spin around there and I kind of lost my focus on the camera on the video version at YouTube there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that that was really effective uh, in particular and I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, the narrative to Batman Arkham VR, um, I, I think it's more effective on those who have not played the Arkham games just for, for canon reasons and things like that, but it's still great fun if you've played the Arkham games. Um, I, there was a beginning where you kind of you start at this piano uh, waking up and Alfred's like here here's a key to the piano and you kind of have this inside of Wayne Manor to explore and like I wanted to explore a bit more and like I'm, I'm just messing around the piano because you're just sitting there I'm like oh do to do to do and then suddenly you're like oh that's <laughs> whatever you jumbled on the keyboard the piano is like what you've uh you're you're kind of sinking into the back cave and you're like no I, I wanted to explore more but uh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this. Uh, obviously, being in VR, like the Arkham games have just kind of sold you on you know being the bat uh, and that whole thing. But uh, the VR kind of adds a whole extra level to it, uh, where you have like this forensic uh, sort of scanner on your left thigh. You have the grapple gun on your right thigh, and kind of on your stomach you have the batarangs. And so to kind of grab each and use each in a 3D space, uh, that was very effective. I uh, really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, it was it was just nice to kind of, again, like I want to say sit down, but that's not necessarily the case, but to kind of have an extended gameplay session in VR. And uh, you know, I'm not one who gets motion sick or anything like that. I think that may be a hurdle if uh, that's, you know, if you struggle with that. Um, but again, it's hmm. the the big thing, I think the big takeaway is it's going to be interesting to see where VR goes from here. So it's one thing to experience a longer game in a VR setup, but this was still it's HTC Vive It's dependent on, you know, monitors in the room, a very room based setup that yeah you can move around and explore. And that's great. Uh, but you're also still with the visor tied to a box that's tied to a computer and PlayStation VR the same way. When we get to the future where it's all the computing is all done in the visors, I mean, we're talking with HoloLens that Microsoft wants to do that with augmented reality. Google had an announcement at their IO 2017 conference where they're partnering with Vive and another uh, you know, sort of platform holder to use their Daydream VR model to kind of uh, have more you know self-contained head-mounted displays and use the acceleration accelerometer technology there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where that continues. Uh, you know, VR is still very ground level. And, you know, being a gaming podcast, we can talk about games all we want. But I, I still think, you know, the best is yet to come with other experiences. Like, I'm, I'm still someone who I would be sold on the live event experience with VR. Uh, you know, say you know, go to a, a concert and there's like you have a front row seat that you can pay money for, 
but you're you're right there and you can move around to different vantage points and you know you have the the audio's kind of streaming right there and that's happening live or a, a fight like a boxing match that would be exciting i think those are the real um, you know mass media uh, advantages and experiences that we can kind of experience there um, obviously vr going into e3 is going to be another big instance of how many vr games are talked about advertised how many are still in development you know we have farpoint launching on ps4 uh, this week which is kind of more the, the first person shooter aspect of it i'm hearing pretty positive things about that but you know i haven't tried it myself uh, you know wondering what those were like the, the self-contained games not the, the one-off experiences or, or just multi- mini game collections uh we're still you know in the early test phases and also the affordability will be a big thing i know i'm kind of rambling here this is just like I could have your very structured thoughts outlined, but I'm just here talking and and going and uh, just kind of effusing my thoughts on uh, virtual reality. But getting back into VR uh, today by playing Arkham VR just made me think a lot about, you know, where I still want VR to go. I mean, you can, (laughs) some people say, oh, what about porn? I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's different things about that too. I think if you want my opinion on it personally, I think scaling is an issue. Let's let's leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, when it comes to games, I, I think there's there's some great great feelings that can be invoked uh, based on what the 3D space allows. Uh, that you know, just you can't really get by just sitting and, uh, and you know, just moving a camera in on a 2D plane there. Uh, but I'm I'm really more interested in kind of the mass market potential of. You know, whether it's events, live events, um, sports, just other things that we can tune in. I mean, when people talk about the idea of, you know, if we go up to Mars or something like that and you put a camera there and you can just tap into that camera and look out live at Mars, like, you know, for a future possible experience, like that sounds scintillating. That sounds really exciting. And I think that's where VR can go. We're still on the very ground level, but once it becomes, you know, more than just like, oh, take your phone and put it in some sort of visor, but actually, you know, fundamental tech that we can, you know, buy widely and, and wear for high fidelity, that'll be really, really exciting. Anyway, that will do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. And you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to The Power Switch at podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you could be so kind as leave a review, that would really help as well. But most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com slash call. It's a small but growing community, and in these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. If you want a YouTube video to watch, I'm about to kind of throw a, a way back youtube series reference for you here i was listening to a podcast and they mentioned this series and i'm like oh yeah i watched that series pretty religiously and i had kind of forgotten that it existed if you are familiar with ask a ninja yeah that's that's a deep cut if you recognize that you are officially old on the internet because not many people uh, i think who are younger than kind of my age demographic and close to that would would remember Ask a Ninja. But this is a series that started in late 2005, really kind of took off 
around late 2006, early 2007. Uh, but wow, Ask a Ninja got kind of brought back into my internet memory lately. And so uh, to look up episode 30, which is called Ninja Omnideuce, uh, Ask a Ninja, I think kind of was a, a YouTube early extension of the kind of, and you know, to date it even further, the uh, the Strong Bad Email series from Homestar Runner to kind of take that fan question and, and apply this this simple humor to it. So you look back on the Ask a Ninja series, it's it's a very dated YouTube series by, you know, production standards and even maybe humor standards. But but to think back then, you know, more than 10 years ago, uh, it, it's some great stuff. So the, the omnibus episodes that happen every now and then, like this one, episode 30, uh, these are our quick fire, quick hits questions. And you kind of get a sense of the ninja character and all that. Uh, but yeah, check our show notes to get a link there. I mean, ask a ninja. Uh, that's that's a deep cut. So tune in Saturdays, 3 p.m. Eastern time for definite show times. Uh, if something happens during the week that we have to talk about it, we'll get everyone calling in. And uh, that should be really exciting as well for episodes during the week. But we're coming up on E3 two weeks from today, June 3rd, 3 p.m. Eastern time. That Saturday will be our big E3 call-in episode with predictions and the like. Uh, that will be be really good fun uh, missing those kind of episodes for sure back from my podcast days of the past um, otherwise we'll, we'll try to get a guest for next week that should be should be good uh, anyway stay tuned to our discord channel as that develops and regardless whether it's live or on your own time I look forward to you joining us for our next episode with that I am Peter Spasia until next time switch up call in game on <laughs>